1: Welcome
2: to the show, it's a very cold day, probably nothing more important to do than be in a warm house or sitting in a car with your seat heaters on, listening to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and what we do here every day at 4 o'clock on KSLR, AM 630, is we answer your Bible questions and take your phone calls whatever on your heart and mind we'll do the best that we can you can call us at 210-340-9585 that's 340-9585 you can call toll free at 877-630-KSLR that's 630-5757 you can email questions by emailing questions at com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app if you're driving in your car car remember the safest way to call is use the hands-free feature of the kslr mobile app just hit one button it says call now and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer one more time three four zero ninety five eighty five um it's weekend time that means it's Time to get ready for church. We always get really busy on the weekend because we have Friday night service here at Calvary Chapel, and of course we have three Sunday uh, morning services. But remember, what I try to encourage you to do every Friday is when you go to church this week, be available to be used by the Lord. Don't go as a spectator. Don't just go expecting to get blessed, but to be a blessing in the process. Look for somebody who looks like they're hurting. Look for somebody who looks like they need prayer or maybe just someone to invite them out for a bite of lunch after service. Be available. Have your sort of spiritual sonar tuned in and I promise you the Lord will use you. Um, We've got some questions that have been sent, but remember, we love your phone calls first. Oh, uh, one quick thing I need to say now, and I'll try to remember it at the end of the program, is we will not be live on Monday uh, because that's a National Holiday Veterans Day. So enjoy your Veterans Day. I do want to say thank you to all of the the people who have served uh, and or are currently serving uh, in the armed forces, those who um, risk so much and sacrifice so much uh, so that the rest of us might not have to do as much. I'm also told that the Marine Corps birthday is tomorrow, Saturday. And how old is the Marine Corps going to be? 243. 243 years old. I've got a Marine sitting next to me. He doesn't look anywhere close to 243. It's maybe 150, 160? Closer. But thank you for all of the veterans who have served okay let 's get to some questions i've got a couple of questions that were sent in from Richard. Um, the first one is uh, this one what do you think of what do you think matthew twenty four twelve is alluding to I can do that really quickly and then we 'll get to uh, our first caller today matthew twenty four says twenty four twelve says because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold. you have to realize richard that the Um, Matthew 24 is the beginning of the Olivet Discourse. Um, Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21, same uh, context. He's talking about the end times. And so what he's saying is, in the end, this is after the rapture of the church. We know that. They didn't know it at the time that this was being spoken by Jesus. Um, Paul talks about this time, um, just prior to the rapture in 2 Timothy. But Jesus is talking about in the great tribulation, in that time when judgment is being poured out of the world, um, the world is going to grow wicked. And in wickedness, hard hearts, uh, our love just grows cold. Now, we're already seeing that being applied here, Richard. We see the love of many. We see people. I, I don't know how many of you are aware of, of uh, the, the the news story this past week where a Fox News host had people show up at his home threatening his family uh, because of what he says. That's the love of many growing cold. The fact that we can uh, murder 65 million counting babies. That's the love of. Of most growing cold. The idea that we, we no longer care for others but we're only concerned about ourselves. Um, that's what happens when we give in to sin. So in this particular case, he's talking about those who are left on the earth after the Great Tribulation. Um, I love that he says the love of most will grow cold rather than the love of all of them will grow cold. There will be some during the Great Tribulation who will be saved. So, Richard, I hope that answers your question. Let's go to Margaret calling from Floresville, Texas. Margaret, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
1: Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. I have a comment and I have a question. My comment is I wanted to let you know that I, for years, have had such a hard time uh, reading the Bible, enjoying the Bible, understanding the Bible, and I would ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand, and he would, but I didn't look forward to reading the bible and it really Mm -hmm. just ate at my heart and then Mm -hmm. i asked him i asked jesus to please help me to look forward to it and enjoy it and i really didn't expect him to but then he put in my life your friday night sermons on on uh, the app and oh cool he changed the way i feel about the bible and how it you're just able to make it come to life. And oh. when my granddaughter lived with me, she would say we would lay down at night, and that's what I usually listen to. But I also do my morning Bible study with you, so I'm able to go through a year's worth of acts in just, you know, a few months but or weeks, <laughs> really. But she would say, let's listen to Jesus. And I would explain to her, well, that's not – but then – the Lord trying kind to of put on my heart today That is me talking to you I just used Ron Arbaugh's
2: voice Oh, so. bless your heart Thank you, Margaret yes. By the way, we got a really good one tonight Acts chapter 27 is is really good Especially if you're sort of going through some storms of life It's really, really a great Bible study tonight So that's at 7 o'clock And you can watch that live stream at calvaryessay.com What's your and question, where Margaret? where
1: I am right now My question is Lucifer fall or was he cast from heaven before or after God created earth and mankind?
2: Well, that's a a hard question to answer, Margaret, because nobody knows for sure. Now, I have a very strong opinion on this, um, but it's opinion that can't be proven for sure uh, by the Word. But all that we know for certain is that sometime in eternity past, Satan was cast down. We know why he was cast down. Uh, His pride was to the point. He he said, I will cast my throne above the Most High. He wanted to be worshipped rather than a worshiper. Uh, it was the, that moment when God gave the angels in heaven their one time only choice fortunately we humans have a, a many times choice but but uh, angels because they were given so much because they were in the presence of God uh, one time they made a choice now when I say we don't know for sure here's my very strong opinion I personally believe with all of my heart Margaret that um, on the sixth day When God created Adam, um, I think that was the the moment when Satan um, rebelled. Uh, we know from Ephesians chapter 2 the Bible says that we are his workmanship, that Greek word is the Greek word poema and it means uh, we get our English word poem from it and what it really means is that we are the expression of God's beauty, so Satan, Lucifer the evidence suggests in the Old Testament Ezekiel 28 most notably that that he was the most beautiful of all of God's creation, he he was Lucifer the angel uh, as powerful as, as any angel, him and Michael are probably the the, the, the the biblical counterparts, but he was so beautiful that it said if you especially if you look at the King James version that music sort of emanated as he as he raised his wings and when he saw how God responded when he created Adam, what he was saying is adam you 're the best thing i 've ever done on the sixth day he created man, and he saw that it was very good, and I personally think that that 's what sparked the jealousy that eventually led to Satan's rebellion and being cast out. We also know, Margaret, that he, uh, he, he deceived a third of the angels that were with him, and, uh, and they are fallen angels. We call them demons, and uh, uh, they will, all of them, spend eternity in the lake of fire. So that's what I think, but there's no way to prove it, and it's one of those questions that the answer isn't given to us specifically in
1: Scripture. Does that help at all? So the yes, it does. It makes perfect sense. And so the angels don't get a second chance like we do because they know what they were. They were a part of what we hope to have. And That's that right. And,
2: you know, Jesus. Jesus says in the Gospels, "To whom much is given, much is required." And the, the the context there is much more is required. So the 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 higher the privilege, the greater the accountability. And imagine this Lucifer, who, who uh, some would say was a worship leader of heaven. Uh, imagine the accountability he would have in standing in the presence of God. And uh, so theirs was a one-time-only chance. Uh, fortunately, God is gracious in dealing with humans, and we get uh, as many chances as it takes until we die, and then it's too
1: late. Well, that just tells me that if he could deceive the angels who had looked at god at jesus how much easier will it be for him
2: to deceive us absolutely and he's an expert at it right
1: okay you've helped he, me a lot thank you so much for all that you do thank you thank you
2: margaret for That's your problem. kind words to her. okay problem. thank you god bless how, thank you. how sweet my winnie the pooh voice the voice of jesus <laughs> i love that thank you very very much um let's go to another question that uh, was sent in by richard i don't know if it's same richard or not um oh i'm sorry this one is not from richard this is from anonymous from our email inbox how important are angels to us or for us and do angels intervene in our lives and does that still happen today do we have a guardian angel and if so is it biblical um, anonymous, regarding the guardian angel, uh, there, there's a scripture um, that suggests that when uh, Lazarus died when the, in Luke chapter 16 that the angels carried him, his angel, it says his angel carried him into the presence of God. And that's really the only idea where we might get the idea of a guardian angel. I personally don't believe that we have an angel assigned to us uh, it makes for great movies um, uh, from wonderful life to all kinds of different movies um, and it's sort of a spiritually romantic notion but I don't believe that we have a guardian angel assigned to us um, I do believe and I know this based on the evidence from scripture is that that the angels are God's servants ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation that's you and me and so um, that means they're very important to us uh... and most of the time when they intervene in our lives we are unaware of it um, but i can tell you from first-hand experience that angels do intervene now before i go there anonymous let me just say this a word of caution if we were to see angels like Daniel saw an angel or or the other prophet saw angels and they fell down as though dead because the sight was so overwhelmingly holy, um, we would worship them and we have a tendency people write books about angels it's amazing. you can get a three hundred page book written about angels when the Bible really doesn't say a whole lot about them and and if we remember the Bible is our only authoritative um, source for information, then we won't get too carried away with the angels. Instead, we'll get even more carried away with the one who sends the angels to minister. I hope that makes sense to you. They're staring in the face of Jesus, I think, all day, every day, saying, Who do you want me to help? Who do you want me to help? And he goes, Go go bail out Ron. He's having a bad day or or something bad's going to happen. And and they, they show up. Now, I have had angels intervene uh, in my life on two occasions, personally, that I am certain they were angels. Um, Another time, um, um, an angel intervened uh, to spare somebody else's life in our church. And um, it was on a trip we were in in Scotland and we just happened to look the wrong way and stepped off because of, uh, the traffic goes the opposite direction. And, and um, one of our ladies was going to be run over by a bus. And there's no way to explain why she isn't dead. She stepped into the street. Those big buses take all of those small streets. And um, we screamed, and the next thing we know, she was up ashen-faced, but she was up on the curb, and she was safe. And I am without any doubt at all that that was an angel who was intervening. Uh, I've told the story in the program before about uh, Paula and I going up to Bible college. You know, she would come and get me on fridays at bible college and then bring me back home we lived about a 40 minute drive from the bible college uh and we'd spend the weekend together on sunday she'd have to take me back up uh early in the evening for for sunday evening chapel it was a requirement uh and uh, i was dry i drove back then that was about the last time i drove but um I, we were going up in our truck and um um, we ran into horrible weather in the winter time the weather could change in an instant on that mountain and we were going up this mountain in the middle of a really, really bad storm I was feeling really dumb for having taken the chance and uh, we hit a patch of um, ice, snow, um, pellets of of, of hail uh, all at the same time and we started turning in a clockwise rotation uh, going over to the side of the road down the mountain roads in the San Bernardino mountains uh, there aren't any barriers on the side there, there aren't anything to keep you in and if you fall uh, you go straight down the mountain and um, there's there's nothing except a sheer drop and we were going around clockwise And I got to the point where uh, the front wheels were just off the edge, and the momentum was taking us clockwise to where we would have gone off of the edge, and then for no reason at all, we just started going counterclockwise and I ended up in perfectly in the lane going back down the mountain. And there, there's no explanation for that. There's simply no explanation. We didn't do anything. We didn't hit brakes. I didn't do the gas. I did no driving tricks. We just were in that very safe place. And it was as though Jesus was in the car with me and saying, look, she's precious. You've got cargo that's precious here. Don't do this dumb thing again. And we went right back home and and, and where we were saved. So uh, angels are for us. They're to serve us. Uh, They they are important in our lives today. And what we need to do is um, thank God for them. But don't give the angels the credit. They're simply servants, just like you're a servant, and I'm a servant. 340-9585, here's a question from Lori from our mobile app. How did God deal with people between the fall and the giving of the law? What happened to those who died during that time? And what rules of life did they have to... Or did they have with which to live by? And then Lori says, thank you. Laurie, a couple of things. Death, Paul says in the book of Romans, always occurred, which is evidence of sin. So before the giving of the law, you know, if God says don't do this, um, and you do it, you know you're wrong. But if God didn't say don't do it, how do you know you're wrong? Well, Romans 1 talks about the conscience he's given us. He's given us a conscience that, that distinguishes between right and wrong when we violate that conscience then we're guilty and that's his whole point in, in writing Church of Rome he says look death has been here from the beginning which proves that death was in the world before the law but before the law sin wasn't uh, imparted to them or wasn't counted against them why wasn't it counted against us because we didn't know but here's what God knows because he knows our hearts and because he gave us the conscience when we violate our conscience then we're guilty so a just and fair God took people who violated their conscience doing the, the, the thing that they knew was wrong even though God didn't say it was wrong they knew it was wrong what did God say to Cain? King, why are you so troubled? Why so downcast? If you do what is right, will it not go well with you? Well, God's been saying that to people from the very beginning of time. And so nobody is innocent because they didn't know. God will judge us based on what we do with what we know. He'll never judge us for what we did with what we didn't know. So every man, every woman will stand before God and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. But what we need to really remember is that we're the ones who are accountable to no right from wrong. And God's given us that ability, that gift. Thanks, Laurie. Good question. Here is a question from Anonymous. Uh, it's just a pretty long one. How am I doing time? got five minutes. Okay. Um, the man I am dating and they're talking about marriage with wants to be sure that we are sexually compatible before we commit. It makes sense, but I don't want to sin. Anonymous, this is one of the oldest ruses in the world. You wouldn't buy a car without driving it or use used car, especially, would you? Well, men and women aren't cars. And the man who, and I'm going to talk only if who's a professing Christian, you're writing into this program, I'm assuming you're a Christian, and because you're a Christian you couldn't possibly be dating an unbeliever. Um, I would ask that man, where is your faith? If God puts you together, don't you think that when you're sexually active in the confines of marriage, a blessing to God, a blessing from God, do you not think that he's the one who makes sure that you're sexually compatible? I would say this is a huge, huge warning sign that if this man is trained to um, convince you to have sex with him before you're married, anonymous, this isn't a man from God this is a man sent straight from the pit of hell I don't care how nice he is how handsome he is or how persuasive he is don't fall into the trap and if you're talking about getting married I don't know how long you've been dating him but if you're talking about getting married to this man you should have known where he stood on matters like this a long time ago these are things that Christian couples need to talk about you know every Christian couple ought to say, I'll give you an example I've a dear dear friend one of my best friends um, his wife died, and uh, he never dreamed about being married again. And um, uh, some time goes by, and there's this woman in his life. Uh, he's known her for many, many years, but, but just very, very casually. And um, he began to have feelings for her and she for him. And he sat down with her. And he said, I want to take all the pressure off this relationship. We are not having sex unless and until we get married. And she gave such a big sigh of relief. Because there's always that tension, especially when you're attracted to somebody. There's always that tension. But he just settled it right then and there. Christian couples need to do that in the early stages of a relationship without presupposing that we're going to get married without putting that kind of pressure in the relationship they need to say here are the guidelines I love Jesus Christ so I'm not going to do these things and if the man or the woman either way sort of balks at that then you know that's not somebody that's been sent to you from the Lord and if there's a man in your life anonymous that God didn't send I promise you that is a man you don't want it doesn't matter how smitten you might be with him or how invested in the relationship you might be right now if he's trying to convince you to have sex with him before marriage he's not from the Lord I'll also say this a lot of those men when they finally convince a woman to give in sexually well they end up deserting the woman because they already got what they want and you know the chase is more exciting than catching anything And so this is a big, big red flag. You don't come to my church. If you did, I'd wrap my arms around you and say, leave, don't get involved in this relationship. So please, 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 this is a dangerous situation. Um, You said, I don't want to sin. Then flee from sexual immorality. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles You haven't done that yet, but throw off everything that hinders. It's what comes first. So anonymous, I hope that helps. It's a very, very important question that you asked. We have 30 minutes left in this week. Where does the time go? 340-9585 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR That's 630-5757. We've got 30 minutes left in the program. I will see you on the other side of the break in two minutes. We'll be back.
0: To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340 9585 or toll free 877 630 KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
1: Welcome back
2: to the last 30 minutes of the week 340 9585. Hey, can I pass on a, a prayer request? I just got an emergency prayer request um, from some. Casual friends of mine, Calvary Chapel pastors, our pastor in Oroville, California, his name is Bob Scott, Uh, the fires up there consumed his house and their church uh, physically, Um, um, there's uh, uh, danger from other uh, churches in and around the Redding area, Um, there's just so much at Calvary Chapel Red Bluff. Um, um, they're in danger, so uh, all of that in Northern California. Would you please keep all of that in your prayers? Bob Scott and his wife. Uh, he's a he's a neat guy. He's a weird guy, and I mean that in the nicest way. I got a great big beard. He's like our biker Calvert Chapel pastor. Uh, he got saved as a from a radical old gangster biker days. And uh, still looks like it, but loves Jesus with all of his heart. I went to Bible college, actually, with his son. Uh, Bob is about my age, but I went to Bible college when one of his sons was there. And uh, I would appreciate your prayers. Let's go back to our questions. Here's a question from Beth. She wants to know, Is Sunday worship the mark of the beast? Beth, stop going to SDA churches. No, Sunday worship is not the mark of the beast. Um, The Apostle Paul uh, writes about gathering together on the first day of the week. The original disciples of Jesus began celebrating the first day of the week, uh, the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, That was their reason for getting together joyfully. So it is not the mark of the beast and uh, um, the sort of legalistic churches, Seventh-day Adventists and some others, who believe that Saturday is the only day they have no concept of what studying your bible rightly dividing it um um is all about so so no feel free to go to church on sunday but remember every day is a sabbath for the lord because our sabbath like hebrews 4 says is in jesus christ so it's not the mark of the beast jennifer says why is jesus the only way to heaven instead of people from other religions getting in now before i answer this question let me say i had all of my crew in here praying for me uh, before the program there was probably nine or ten kids in here and they like to go through the questions and so one of them jaden said "Uh, you got any new questions and so i said well answer this one for jennifer and uh, he said well because that's what the bible says i said but remember if this is an unbeliever." You can't use the Bible um, because he was God. Well, how did he prove he was God? And they finally got around to the resurrection. That's why he's the only way to heaven, Jennifer. You see, here's the thing that we don't understand. We look at people and we sort of measure whether they're good or okay, or maybe we can look at some and say, well, that person's really wicked or really evil. Um, And we sort of measure, according to whatever standards we have, the idea of good or bad. Here's the standard of measurement to get into heaven. You have to be perfect. Perfect. You can't be sort of good, or mostly good, or you can't do more good than bad and think, well, that's going to balance out the scales. Nobody's going to be in heaven unless they're perfect. Perfect. Now that's why Jesus is the only way, because only Jesus was perfect. And when he died, he made a business deal with us. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty one. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. It's a transaction. And in effect, Jennifer, what he said was, I'll make you this deal. You give me your filth, your shame, and I'll give you my righteousness. And by faith, when we say okay and and are born again, then that business transaction is completed and positionally from that moment on we're perfect. All of our sins, past, present, and future, are wiped away. So only Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. Only Jesus gave his life that we might live. And then here's the proof, Jennifer. When they put him in that tomb, he didn't stay there. And because he didn't stay there, we have the evidence. It's not just blind faith, the evidence that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Lord, to the Father, except through him. So that's all we need to know. All anybody has to do is honestly look into the evidence surrounding the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they are without excuse they will be convinced now they may reject Jesus anyway but at least they'll do so knowing that Jesus is who he said he was so I hope that helps Jennifer please hear my heart Greg says Pastor on how do I reconcile the Old Testament God who seems angry with Jesus who is love. Well, Greg, a couple of things. You don't really understand the Old Testament God who s- seems to be angry because he's not angry. His heart was broken when Adam and Eve sinned. His heart was broken when Cain plotted to kill evil or Abel and then did. His heart was broken. All you have to do is read through the prophets when his people instead of being a light to the foreigners around them, became like those foreigners and rejected the worship of the one true God. His heart was broken before that when he and Moses were on a mountain and the people couldn't wait. They started to build a golden calf. That's not mean. But what we also have to understand is God is holy and just. Just. And that means sin, all sin, has to be punished. And that's not angry at all. That's just a God who, though He didn't have to make a way for us to be saved, He he did. I'd also say this, Greg. All you have to do is look at Revelation chapter 19. And the Jesus who comes back to establish His kingdom for a thousand years on this earth, His robe is covered in the blood of those who rebelled against him. He destroys him with the word. He's the God of the great tribulation, so he is just and holy. Yes, God is love, but even in his love he disciplines and corrects and judges. So you have to reconcile him. It's the same God. The whole Bible from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21 or twenty one twenty. I mean, is is all about Jesus. Hope that helps, Greg. Let's go to Teresa calling on line one from San Antonio. Teresa, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
1: Hi, <clears throat> Hi Pastor Ron. How are you?
2: Hi, Teresa. I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. Uh, Pastor Ron, there's something that's been bothering me. I wanted to ask you about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. When uh, Pastor, uh, when uh, Jesus was, he was uh, baptized. In the Jordan River by his mm-hmm. cousin, right, John? Okay. Yes. And then, right shortly thereafter, he went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, was it because he had to meditate on on what was going to come, or was it just because he had to clear his mind, or what was that? Why did he do that? Was okay, Teresa, I can answer. Nothing? Yeah, I can answer that. Okay, then i hang up and listen, okay?
2: Okay, thank you, Teresa. You know, one of the most interesting lines to me in all the New Testament is is right after his baptism, it says, uh, right after the Spirit of God fell upon him in the form of a dove, it says, then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, here's why, to be tempted by the devil. This was a time of testing. This was a time of testing, and, you know, sometimes we think we're in this wilderness place, or the devil won't leave us alone, and we we blame the devil for it when it's actually the hand of God. Jesus, the first thing he did before he began his ministry in earnest, before the the wedding in Cana, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted directly, face-to-face, by the devil. You see, Jesus was tested in all ways as we are. And so this was preparation. It wasn't that he needed to clear his mind. Um, He certainly didn't need to be alone. This mission had a purpose and it was that Jesus would be tested. If he wasn't tested, he couldn't understand our being tested. And so he became a human, and humans in order to serve are going to have to be tested day in and day out. And Teresa, that's the only reason you remember. Um, he was tempted to take a shortcut. He was tested. as The devil challenged even the love of God. If you were really God, you know, if you really loved you, you could turn these stones into bread. You wouldn't have to be hungry. But no, it was just a test. Obviously, Jesus passed the test. But that's why, Teresa, that he was tempted. Or, or, or led into the wilderness. Here's a question from Nathaniel. I like this one. It says, What would you say to encourage someone like me going through pretty heavy trials? Uh, Nathaniel, my first suggestion is, is to listen to tonight's Bible study in Acts chapter 27, um, Calvarysa.com at 7 o'clock. Um, we're going to talk about trials. But having said that, um, let me say first this. No trial is as bad as it seems when you're going through it and no trial lasts as long as it seems it's going to last when you're in it you have to keep an eternal perspective Jesus is with you I always think in response to questions like these about uh, Daniel's three friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they were thrown into the fire a fire turned up seven times hotter than normal and they were bound and then thrown in and of course the heat was so hot that even some of Nebuchadnezzar's soldiers perished just getting close to the fire and yet the three young men they weren't killed at all and Nebuchadnezzar looked over and especially um, he didn't perish with the heat God wanted him to see this how many people did we throw in that fire? He said, And they said, Well, we, sold, we, we threw three in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar says, Well, why do I see four? And the fourth is like the Son of God. And three of them were walking around. Now, they were not bound any longer. They could have come out. But they chose to remain in the fire with Jesus rather than escape the fire without him trials are important it's like spiritual exercise you know we build muscles or at least some people build muscles by pushing on weight pushing resistance and the more you do it the stronger you get the more weight you can lift well spiritually speaking when we exercise our faith and we stay faithful we remain faithful in the middle of that trial we come out of it stronger than we were when we went in. We come out of it more like Jesus than we were when we went in. And a lot of times, Nathaniel, the trial that you're in right at this moment is an answer to your prayers from God. Now, I know we don't pray for trials. But think about the times you prayed, Oh, Lord, I want to love you more. Oh, Lord, I want to be more like you. Oh, Jesus, I want to think like you. Well, in order to do that, we've got to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. So trials, heavy or not, trials are common to everyone. All you have to do is look for Jesus in them. It won't make it fun. I'm not trying to be naive here. You won't be in the middle of a trial saying, Oh, this is great. Thank you, Jesus. It's not that at all. That would be silly but what you'll be able to do is see him in the middle of your trial and if his will for you is accomplished in that trial you're going to find yourself holding on more tightly to him than you've ever held on to him before sometimes in fact Nathaniel those trials come into our life because we're getting a little bit of distance between us and the Lord and he's using those trials to to sort of drag us back to that place of being close and intimate with them again trials have purposes we don't like them Jesus says we need them so I hope that helps remember it's not as bad as it feels and it won't last as long as it looks like it's going to 340-9585 for your live calls and questions here's a question from Damien Damian says, I don't understand why Christians disagree on interpreting the Bible when the same Holy Spirit lives in all of us. Well, Damian, there's a a lot of reasons for that. Let Let me say this. The Bible is perfect. We who are believers are imperfect. And so we're viewing that which is perfect through an imperfect lens. And the truth is, there are just some things we don't get. There are some things we don't want to get. I think the the divisions, not on the essentials, but on the non-essentials, are tongues for today, Calvinism versus Arminianism, or something in between, uh, are the gifts of the Spirit for today, are miracles for today, those kinds of of differences are necessary. And I think what God will do, if you allow him, Damien, is he will sort of whet your appetite to dig into the word and find out for yourself I love Margaret's call in the first half of the program uh, when she said you know she didn't she she felt guilty because she didn't uh, look forward to reading the Bible she did it sort of dutifully rather than joyfully Um, because she did it dutifully God changed her perspective and if you have questions about things Dig into the Bible. Let God thrill your heart and show you what it means. Damien, when I was a, a new Christian, um, six months old in the Lord, I, I just uh, I had to find out if the Bible was true. I've told that story too many times on this program to repeat it. But but once I decided this Bible was really the Word of God then I had to deal with this same kind of question. What about tongues? And what about this? And what about that? And what about the rapture of the church? And, and, and you know what? I opened the word and Jesus met me in his word and began giving me light. He also taught me to be discerning. I'd read commentators and say, that did not sound right. And that was Jesus teaching me discernment and so the questions that you have are honest questions and god loves curious christians so just open your bible and dig in and as you're digging in i read everything there were two two things for me because we started out paul and i did in a really bad church a prosperity church and uh, you know they said you had to be filled uh, speak in tongues to be filled with the spirit um, to be saved even if you didn't speak in tongues you weren't saved uh, and they were teaching us that God wants us to be rich. And so I, I had to deal with those questions. God, do you really want us to be rich? And did, did you, what about tongues? I read everything I could get my hands on. I went all the way back to, to, to the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s um, when, when tongues sort of became a phenomenon in this country. And I wanted to read what happened and what people were saying. And then I would compare it with what was written in the Word. And I could deal with those questions. The other question that, that um, I had to deal with before I could really minister to anybody was the, the whole concept of predestination. It just seemed incongruous to me that God would choose some for heaven and some for hell. And if you were chosen for hell, you had no choice in no the matter. That didn't seem to, to be consistent with the God that I was learning about. And so I really wrestled with this idea of predestination and election. And God revealed to me the answers. Damien, he'll do the same things. So He'd never worry about why Christians disagree. Just l- learn what you know. Study to show yourself approved, a workman rightly dividing the word. Be able to give an answer to others for the hope that you have. And every time somebody asks you a question, you don't know the answer. Make a personal commitment to find out that answer and say, I'm never going to be unable to answer that question again, Lord. And the more you dig in, the more curious you are, the more you will be blessed. So yes, the same Holy Spirit lives in us, the author of that Bible. But remember, we are imperfect. And honestly, the truth is, not many are serious students of the word, and we're going to disagree, we're going to be influenced by what people say, instead of simply saying, okay, Lord, let's you and I wrestle with this. Doctrine wrestling, it's so wonderful, it's almost a sport, but wrestle with these issues, and let God reveal the answers to you, nothing like opening the Bible. And getting a question answered that you've been struggling with for a time. It's like Jesus is in the room giving you high fives. Hope that helps, Damien. Here's an anonymous question. We're inside five minutes. Uh, Here's a question anonymously. It's hard for me to believe in miracles uh, like the ones in the Bible when I don't see any of them today. Why is that? Well, anonymous, um, there's lots of reasons. The miracles that you see in the Bible done by Jesus, in some cases done by his apostles, Uh, those miracles had a very specific purpose. Uh, Signs and wonders. Signs, as you know, always point to something. If you're looking for a particular street, you look at the names on the signs, So when you get to the sign with that name on it, you know you've arrived. Well, the sign miracles that we have in our New Testament were miracles that pointed to the authority and the authenticity of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And so when he did a miracle, everyone is forced to make a choice. Well, he did the miracle, do you believe him? Now, we know they didn't. We have a tendency to think that if I only saw miracles, I would believe. Well, Jesus said an evil and adulterous generation seeks after signs and wonders. Jesus says, use the signs that point to me to find me. And then you won't find it hard to believe in miracles at all. When Jesus walked the earth, when the apostles were establishing the church, those miracles were absolutely necessary to convert people. In some parts of the world, Anonymous, it's exactly the same way now. There are places in the world... Um, Muslim countries in particular uh, places where Jesus is not um, widely known um, where miracles are still commonplace visions and dreams Jesus appears to people just like he did in the Bible but you see they need those signs to point to him you and I, Anonymous, we don't need those we have more evidence about who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish we have more evidence of that than we do that William Shakespeare ever lived so we don't need those signs but I can tell you firsthand, I've seen some miracles I've actually been used to do a couple not like giving sight to the blind or anything like that but instant healings instant sobriety when somebody was threatening to kill people in a church event we were having and he was high on heroin and who knows what else and all I had to do was look at him and tell him that Jesus loves him and all the people there saw him sober up instantly and received Christ So they're still miracles, just not the same volume, certainly, not the same quality, but miracles nonetheless. Believe in them because they're written in the Bible. Do you believe the Word of God? If you do, then you can't have any question about whether or not miracles are true. Here is, and this will probably be the last one I get to today, an anonymous question. He says, or she says, my question is about alcohol. Is drinking okay for Christians? And if so, how much is permissible? The Apostle Paul Anonymous says that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. That's sort of the, the dividing line for us. Is drinking good for you? Is it going to help your relationship with God? Then no. The answer is no, so then you shouldn't want to drink. Now I can't tell you that drinking alcohol moderately is sin. I wish I could, but I can't. But if drinking is ever a benefit, I've missed it in my 67 years of life. So please, 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 that's the Spirit of God knocking door, put down the alcohol, you don't need it. Hey, great week on the program. Thanks for tuning in. Stay warm this week. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Quick reminder, we will not be live for the holiday on Monday. Back live on Tuesday. We'll see you then.
0: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.